0: 61 all right first things
1: first we have new creatures, and the crowd goes <sighs> no i just sound like i was like spraying hot breath at you <laughs> i mean you were that didn't even sound like a crowd at all no that crowd is dead that crowd was up from the grave and haunting you yeah i mean it fits it's all it's <laughs> on brand totally totally <laughs> New Patreoners include Valerie F. from Maryland. Kelly Jo F. from Western Australia.
0: Hello, mate. <laughs> oh, she sent in a message for your birthday thing, and she's mm-hmm. the one who said, Lots and lots of cob Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank y'all so much for being part of the Creepinati, Patreoners, all the things. We couldn't do this without y'all, and we appreciate you so freaking much.
0: Yes. And we have a promotion going on. If you don't follow us on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, you know,
1: all the shit, we have, like, three tweets. But, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And one of them, Zach Beggins, liked. So, I I mean, mean, we went the Internet. (laughs) (laughs) Or not.
0: But we have a promotion, and we have two limited edition stickers. Yes. Yes. I'm really excited about them. I love them. Uh, Yeah, they're really good. So if you join, we have 50 stickers. That's it, like 50 of each. So the first 50 who join, that can be a dollar and up. You get these two stickers, and we have like three that we normally send out.
1: So you get five total. And that includes all tiers. So the tiers start at a dollar and work their way up. So check it out because these stickers are great.
0: Yeah, and I mean, seriously... Limited fucking
1: edition, y'all. And one of them is in reference to a Patreon-only Halloween episode.
0: Oh, yeah. So, if y'all do $5 and up, you actually get to hear the Halloween edition that we talk about one of these
1: stickers. The story behind one of the stickers. Yeah. And if you're already on Patreon and you're like, should I want one of those stickers? If you up your tier, then you get it, too. Okay, enough talk about money. (laughs)
0: Okay, so something happened this weekend. I actually broke down, and I watched long fucking title, extremely annoying a t- title.
1: Mm-hmm. Incredibly. The no good,
0: very bad day film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, like extremely vile, unpleasant, whatever about Ted, Ted Bundy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Zac Efron played him. Okay,
1: this is my... Sidebar. No spoiler alert, though, because I hadn't watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think that he kills people, (laughs) but I'm not sure. Honestly, if you watch this, you might
0: not be sure either. Mm. Because I will tell you, Ted Bundy killed people, but Zac Efron did not fucking kill a soul. He is fucking innocent, and he needed to be free. Like, I was rooting for fucking Zac Efron. What? Yes, because of how they portrayed him. Like, it skimmed over the fact that, you know, he, like, killed people. Yeah. Um, Because it was from... Liz's point of view, which is totally fine, Mm -hmm. but they skimmed over so much. Mm. It was just like, oh, he got pulled over, but it really doesn't say that, yeah, he killed four people in one night, Yeah, you know, and all of this. It just skims over it, and that is my problem, because people who don't know Ted Bundy, like Mm -hmm. we know Ted Bundy, Mm -hmm. and so we're like, oh, no, he is shockingly vile, Mm-hmm. But other people who might not know and they're just like, Oh, Zach Efron's in a mm mm-hmm. movie. Like, let's see. And then they're like, Oh, but no, he should be off. Like he should you yeah. know, whatever. He's wrongfully convicted and all that because seriously, I was like I acted like I didn't know the outcome. Damn. So yeah. Ted Bundy did it, Zach Efron did not.
1: We need you need to watch it okay. and we need to do a live. Okay. We'll do that. I will watch it at some point. <laughs> next year. No, I'll watch it at some point and we'll do a live in the Facebook group, the whole group. Yeah. The big, big group. Yeah. And then we'll discuss it
0: y'all. So if you haven't watched it, watch it, take notes because
1: y'all, we got some talking to do. Okay. One more thing. And then I swear we're going to get to the, to the show. I was talking to one of my coworkers the other day and she was telling me that she watched like binged all weekend that show on Oxygen, about Jessica Chambers. Mm -hmm. And she was telling me, like, all the tea about Uh it, you know. And one thing that I never found in my research, but that they talked about on the show, was that Quentin's sister had Eric tattooed on her hand.
0: Oddly enough, Someone told me about this, too. Holy shit, that's so crazy. Right?
1: Apparently, you might be the only two in the world that didn't know this. Maybe. And, of course, that's the story <laughs> I do. When it's, like, legit, the day after fucking Oxygen runs a damn marathon right? of the story, people hear me do it. Thanks. Thanks, Oxygen. <laughs> you got played. I did. Damn. So, y'all, I, like, I'm not even going to get on all of it, but y'all need to go watch this Oxygen show because... Clearly, there is a lot of shit. Yeah. Like, basically, I did the shitty two-hour dateline thing of uh, <laughs> making a murderer when really it, there was a whole, like, season. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Well, you did the facts, and these are all rumors, and... I mean, it's a fact she has Eric tattooed on her well, hand. Well, yeah, but of what that leads to and all that. Yeah. Which, I mean, is... Sketch. Yeah, like, it leads... Whatever. It, go down the rabbit hole yes. because it's worth it. Yeah. You know what else is worth it? My story. Okay. Well, I was going to say mine, but sure. You go first. So, yeah, yours is worth it. Because <laughs> we saved the best
1: for last. All right. Breaking out the big guns this week. Oh, shit. We're doing Ed Gein.
0: Oh, like, I couldn't even guy. <laughs> because I literally... Did you see
1: me say this? You said it in the episode last week, I think. Oh, You said recently, like, within the last week that you wanted me to do this. Yeah, on Facebook. Oh. But I was like, damn, did I say it? You (laughs) did. But, yeah, on
0: Facebook, because someone had posted something. I was like, I want Carrie to do it. But, girl. I know. I forget that you were like in the Facebook group too. <laughs> you don't understand.
1: <laughs> you yeah, know this podcast thing we have. There's <laughs> two of us. Girl, they need to be two because if I have to do a solo podcast again, oh my god, that was bad. That is so hard. It is so funny too that we both got sick <laughs> yes. and we both had to do a solo episode.
0: Oh god, cringe worthy. <laughs> like I can't wait because I don't know a lot about him. I just know like you know the movies. Psycho, Texas yeah. Chainsaw
1: Massacre. I was gonna say the meat of it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I mean Touche. <laughs> and Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. Yes, like that I tons, just watched tons of horror movies are about him. Like, legitimately, how different would cinema be without him? Yeah, I mean those are three huge. Yes, Leatherface. I mean, like also Buffalo Bill.
0: Was mixed with Ted Bundy too. Yes,
1: because of him pretending like his mm-hmm. arm was broken. Yeah. to get the girl that time.
0: Yeah, but that's funny though because I just talked about Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. And then, oh my god!
1: So let's just jump right in because this is a big one. Okay. Ed Gein was born in Wisconsin in 1906, and his parents were George and Augusta Gein. His dad, George, had a rough life, too. When he was about, I think, about three years old, there was a terrible flash flood, and it wiped out his whole family. Fuck. Yeah, like, he was the only survivor. Damn. And from what I understand, I've listened to a couple podcasts about it, he was kind of berated growing up, like, why didn't you die kind of thing. So his father had a lot of, demons in his closet too and so he was an alcoholic as an adult well george met and married augusta who they ended up having their first child was henry but here's the thing about augusta she was ridiculously religious like to the point of bad you know (laughs) like fanatical yes thank you i couldn't think of the word so she also said that if god intended for us to have sex for more than just procreation, he would have made it enjoyable. Uh, he did. I'm like, um, I think you're. I don't think you're doing it right. <laughs> you're broken. I think that's not right. Then. Mm-mm. So she would only have sex with George when she was ready to have a kid. So she was like, "Okay, we got Henry. Uh, now I want my little girl. Like I want to have a girl. So she got pregnant again. Well. Here comes Ed Gein. Clearly not a girl. Mm-hmm. Augusta and George did not get along. It was a very, like, tumultuous relationship. They just—it just was a bad situation in the household. She was very, like we said a second ago, fanatical with, with the religion. Like, she would read to the kids Bible verses every single night, which in itself isn't— I mean, if yeah. that's what you believe, that's what you believe. Re- read the Bible. But—and she hated George. Like I said, it's like, oh, God, I'm pretty sure he says love people, but okay.
0: Especially if you choose to marry him.
1: And procreate with him. Mm-hmm. But she would also teach the boys that basically all other women – on the planet were whores. And I hate to say it like that, but that's how she taught him. Yes, I can
0: hear that right now. Yeah,
1: and oh, y'all know her? You knew her from before?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I know people like her.
1: Yeah, and that she was like the only woman they should have in their lives, (laughs) that all these other women are like of the devil, and they're just going to try to lead them astray. They should never have sex, only masturbate.
0: Well, are you sure he's not Jason Voorhees and she's his mom? Because feel like that's how their relationship was. Dang. Okay. Also, um, poor George. They probably didn't have porn back then or something.
1: Well, God. I mean, Ed was born in 1906. Yeah. So, I mean. Surely there was a way.
0: Well, I'm sure there was. But it's not like, oh, you porn. Like, it yeah. is now. I mean, yeah. it's wherever you want to go, mm-hmm.
1: you can go. Well, his dad wasn't able to hold a job, you know, because of his alcoholism. He had worked doing a few things like carpenter, a tanner.
0: Oh, for Hyde?
1: Uh-huh. An insurance salesman. George owned a, like, a local grocery store that, because of his alcoholism, it was just falling apart. He, he could not manage it. And so, Augusta, like, basically... Some stuff says bought it from him. I'm not really sure how that would work, but basically she took it over. And when she took it over, she moved the family out to Plainfield, Wisconsin. Their house was on this 155-acre farm. Nice. It was very isolated. It was her way of keeping them away from everybody, you know, because she didn't want them... like. She only wanted them hanging out at their house, not socializing with people because yeah. they were of the devil. Right. And so. Nothing secular. No. And so by getting them in this isolated environment, she had more control. Yeah. Well, and also she became. A cult leader. Basically. No, the I mean, she was already domineering. But when she took over the grocery store business, she became, you know, again, we're talking early 1900s. Yeah, she was a tyrant. I mean, she's a businesswoman in the early 1900s. Like, that that takes some gumption, you know? Yeah. But she fucking cray, so we don't like her.
0: Right. She doesn't have gumption. She's got grumption.
1: <laughs> the family is Lutheran. But, you know, that's the thing, too, is that, again, she's very domineering. All the stuff. George had no say in how the kids were raised, you know, what their religion was like, as you know, what they were taught, that kind of thing, and so she's just got them now in this isolation. It's just a breeding ground for fucking for dysfunction, you know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is how deliverance starts. Remember how I said that she would read the kids' Bible verses? Mm-hmm. You know, just reading the Bible. Well, she would intentionally read like scriptures from the Old Testament mm-hmm. that were very like fire and brimstone, like yeah death murder yeah that kind of thing really light
0: bedtime reading it's it gives you really good dreams mm-hmm. definitely i'm pretty sure she's the one who started the heaven's
1: gates or hell's flames Yeah, <laughs> except she wouldn't let anybody in her family even interact with others right so maybe not
0: you she know, wrote you the manuscript to, and right. then sent it in. Well,
1: I was going to say, because you have to have other people in the play. And so right. it can't just be <laughs> a foursome. Because that'd be weird. So.
0: I mean, she could have just
1: had more kids. She could. But, you know, look. Sex Let was not sex. pleasurable. No. Mm-mm. No matter what she did to keep the kids out away from others, they still got to go to school. Right. So they were able to read and all of that stuff. So they got some of the outside life. Mm-hmm. But they always came home. Like, it wasn't like a... They were trying to get out and trying to get out and you know. Yeah. They were just as dysfunctional as she was, and they were all kind of happy in their cocoon. Right. With the exception of George. I think he was pretty miserable in life. Well, yeah. Although Ed was good at like reading, that was kind of, that was his best subject. He just was average in school, not a whole lot, you know. His classmates and his teachers were like, I mean, yeah, he was weird. Like, you know, he was odd. Sometimes he would just be in the back of the room and just start laughing to himself. In addition to his classroom giggle fest, he was made fun of because he kind of had a little bit of a lazy eye. Because some stuff said it was from a mole. Some stuff said it was like a, like a benign tumor that was like on his eye.
0: Oh, god! And so
1: he had a little bit of a lazy eye. And so he just got bullied at school for it. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, too, though. With all of the shit, being kind of bullied, you know having just quirks in the classroom, that kind of thing. Let's just say that he tried to make a friend, his mom would berate him for it. So Fuck. it was like, even even when he, with all his awkwardness, with, you know, his all his social issues, Yeah, when he would try, he would catch shit at home. That's terrible. There's a lot of stuff that I'm not sure how much is true about his interactions with his mom. Like, some stuff said that she bathed them. What? Um, yeah. like And would, you know. Mess with them? No. Like, nothing I saw said that she sexually abused them. But, you know, the feeling I got reading everything was like, and just hearing, because I listened to a couple different podcasts about it, some stuff on YouTube, that kind of thing. And, okay, you know how the Bates Motel is based on Psycho, the, mm-hmm. mo- the show Bates Motel. And you remember, I know we both watched that first season, and it just made me uncomfortable yeah like it just they weren't sexual but they were sexual it just made me it made me it gave me the ickies Mm -hmm. that's how i think that they were like it it really wasn't like i don't think that she sexually abused them or sexually assaulted them i just think that it was a hinky relationship that just shouldn't have been
0: yeah well because she wasn't getting what she wanted from george even though she really didn't want it so then she Mm kind of got it from
1: her boys and then but i think that from the boys though she got especially from ed because she wasn't really like this with henry as much i think he kind of kept his distance i think he kind of was a little more typical Mm -hmm. like with his social and all that and that he recognized like this is kind of weird because yeah some stuff even talked about how he would tell ed like your relationship with mom's weird yeah you need to like that's weird you need to move out you need to do this you know well In April of 1940, so this would be, Ed would be about 34. So he's still living at home, he and his brother, you know, doing the family thing, isolated on the farm. His dad died of a heart attack because of his years of alcoholism. In order to make ends meet, because his dad has passed now, they don't have him to help on the farm and, you know, all the things. Ed and Henry start doing odd little jobs in the community and, like, handyman stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Ed's favorite thing to do was to babysit. Okay. Yeah. And one of the things I listened to, it was saying that Ed's best friend was, like, a 15-year-old. Like, he just didn't have... Oh, he, he and was 34? 30. Yeah. Yeah, he just didn't have... He just didn't have the social skills. Yeah. You know? Well, we're going to flash forward four years, and Ed and Henry... They had been, you know how, like, on, like, a farm and just land every so often you have to burn away the excess so mm-hmm. that it doesn't, like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. We do that. hmm Well, that's what they were doing. And the fire got out of control. And so the fire department had to come help them, like, put it out. And after all that was over, it was like, well, where the fuck is Henry? You know, like, yeah. shit, I can't find Henry. And so he goes and gets the police, and he's like, I cannot find my brother. Come help me. So, they go out with, you know, they're like lanterns and shit to go find him. But Ed takes them directly to the body. Oh. And so, there's a lot of speculation, a lot of like, hmm, Mm -hmm. about, you know, this is kind of weird. Well, here's the tea of it. Okay. (laughs) I'm making that a thing. Here's the tea of it. His brother had bruises on him, and he was not burned. But yet they said that he died of asphyxiation from the fire, but like he was not burned. Yeah. And when it came up that it could possibly be foul play, the police were like, "Ed, he's just the oddball. Like he he couldn't he wouldn't have done anything to hurt him, you know, wow. blah blah blah." Yeah. So even though the coroner said it was from asphyxiation, they didn't do an autopsy or anything, and it was just ruled an accident.
0: Wow. I'm getting JonBenet Ramsey's dad
1: vibes. Right. Well, so, of course, a lot of people are like, Ed did that. He killed Henry. But technically, you know, on the books, it was an accident. At this point, it's just Ed and Augusta now. It is like their lifelong dream. Right. The couple is together. (laughs) Just the two of us. We can make it if we kill them. Just... (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't long... It wasn't long after Henry's death that Augusta had a stroke that left her severely paralyzed. Mm. And Ed took complete care of her. Like, was a good doting son took care of her. Mm-hmm. But well, I feel like... Liked that role yes, reversal. I was going to say, I think that that played into a lot of his shit. Yeah. After his... You know, like I said, he's taking care of his mom because she had a stroke. Well, months and months after her stroke, he's going to... To this guy's house because he wants to buy some, like, hay or pine straw or something like that. Well, and his mom, in her berating nature, is like, I'm coming with you because you're going to blow this. Like, you'll fuck up the deal kind of thing. Right. And so, she comes along, and he's codependent, so he don't fucking care that she's coming. And when they get to this guy's house, this piece of shit guy is beating his dog.
0: What? Yes. No. Yes.
1: Beating his dog. And the guy's girlfriend, like, walks out to, like, tell him to stop hitting the dog. Well, he ends up, I, I'm pretty sure, killing the dog in front of Ed and Augusta. What? Well. That piece of shit. hmm Well, that's a normal reaction that you're having. hmm Augusta was so upset by the whole situation, but she didn't give a shit about the dog. She was upset because the guy's girlfriend lived with him and they weren't married. Oh, my God. And so, Ed said that, because right after that, this was like December 29th of 1945, about a year and a half after Henry died and she had her stroke, she had a final stroke and died. And he said it was because she was so mad and so, like, distraught overseeing that man and his <laughs> limb-in girlfriend. Like, not the fact that this guy beat an innocent dog in front of them. No, that doesn't fucking Mm-mm-mm. matter. This girl is, in her words, a whore. Right. I don't even know how to say that without sounding so terribly offensive. I'm sorry. I, I know. And it's of the horrible. devil. Yes. And of the devil and, you know, has sex for pleasure. So, she's got to be going to hell, you know. Right. And so, she was so distraught by that that Ed says that that's what caused her final stroke and her to die. Ed was inconsolable when his mama died. Which, I mean, hello. I would lose my shit. And I know. Same. Uh, yes. I, I, <laughs> like, I cannot even imagine. So, not saying anything about him being inconsolable. Yeah. but But he was quoted after the death saying that he had lost his only friend and one true love and he was absolutely alone in the world god bless after his mom died he stayed on the farm doing like odd jobs trying to keep everything he lived in the house the house had no electricity damn and he was a he was a fucking hoarder he had his mom's rooms though closed off and they were left exactly how they were the day she died damn basically he closed off so much that he kind of he had the kitchen and like this little room next to it to occupy his time you we, we know when he's not like working and babysitting he started getting because you know I told you earlier he really liked to read and that's what that's the one thing he excelled at in school mm-hmm. well he really liked to read a lot of like adventure stories and stories that had a lot of like cannibalism in it he liked to read a lot of books about Nazis and like pirates, and just, like, all these... Light reading. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> he also had a lot of, like, pulp magazines and, like, a different anatomy books, which, I mean, shit, there's anatomy books here, too. Like, I'm not yeah. being like, oh, my God, he used anatomy books. But, right. I mean, just, it's, it's the yeah. relation to the other books he mm-hmm. read that...
0: Well, also, it's like me having anatomy books. There's no reason for it.
1: Well, and, like... Hit some of the, you know, a lot of the books that he liked to read about was about, like, shrinking heads. Like on Beetlejuice? Yes. A lot of, I think, hunting stuff, too. He's basically Ursula, and he likes poor, unfortunate souls. Pretty much, yeah. That's exactly what I picture when I think of shrinking, <laughs> Me <too>. shrinking heads. Me <laughs> Me too. The other thing that Ed loved to read? Guess what it is.
0: Reader's Digest.
1: The Obituaries.
0: Oh, of course. Of course. I feel like maybe that was his uh takeout menu.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole new take on Grubhub. Yes. <laughs> okay. We know that he had this all-consuming obsession with his mom and yeah. so he kind of he fixated on the things that were unique to his mother at the time. His mom was a bit of an extra-large pizza, and I would say maybe even a large. She wasn't really an extra-large. But she also, like I said, she owned her own company. She was just a strong, big lady. Yeah, strong, independent, fierce, you know, and that's what he would seek in others. There was a lady who lived in Plainfield as well, and— Well, I would imagine. Well, I mean, because, you know, Ed didn't really get out much. (laughs) yeah. Her name was Bernice Warden, and she was physically looked very similar to Augusta. She owned the hardware store, so she was kind of a badass. Yeah. Except she wasn't a fanatical Lutheran like his mom. Right. Well, one day, Ed goes to the store, to the hardware store, and he's asking, Bernice's son is there. He is the de- one of the deputy sheriffs. And he's like, hey, you know, how much y'all? How much is y'all's antifreeze? Like, you know, what y'all got going on? You know, because mm-hmm. he would like, as odd as he was, he had, after his mom died, he did have some interactions with people in the community. There was a couple that lived in the house down the street that he would go have dinner with sometimes. But other than that, his dinner was, he would literally eat pork and beans. From a can? No. Oh. But he, well, no, but yes. <laughs> I think sometimes he may have, but anyway, he would eat his pork and beans. And then he, like I said, he was a hoarder and he was dirty. Like he would just throw the can on the ground. Ew. Yeah. Well, Ew. so Ed's asking him, cause you know, it's hunting season and he's like, Hey, you know, you're going to be out deer hunting tomorrow. Oh, you're going to be gone all day. Like, Oh, well, um, what time do you think you'll be back? Like just asking a bunch of questions and yeah. he didn't, you know, it, it's Ed, he's weird. You know, every, all these people described him as an oddball. Yeah. And so he's like, whatever. So he goes the next day hunting. And when he comes back to his mom's store, it's about five o'clock at night. And when he gets in there, the cash registers open and he sees blood on the floor. Oh, fuck. And he's like, that, yeah, oh, fuck. Well, so they're like, okay, well, what happened? And Frank's like, you know what? Frank better be careful because he's going to turn him into Frank and beans. <laughs> Frank and berry would have been better. <laughs> okay. Best cereal ever. It is. Okay. Anyway, Frank's like, well, but look, here's a receipt. The last thing she sold was fucking antifreeze. Oh, fuck. Come and, on. I know. And so they're like, he's like, wait, Ed, Ed was asking about antifreeze. <laughs> and he was asking a lot of fucking questions about where and when I was going to be here and gone. Right. So, the police go and pick Ed up at the grocery store and take him in for questioning, and they get a warrant to search his farm.
0: Well, you're going to find some nasty shit. Templeton's
1: out there having a smorgasbord. Mm hmm So, when they get there, because you remember, he gets back from hunting at 5 p.m. Yeah. So, when they get to the farm, it's dark, and the farm has no electricity.
0: Oh, fuck yeah.
1: So, it's pitch fucking black. This is legit a scary movie. Mm -hmm. They've got their flashlights out. You know, they're trying to move around, find stuff. They get to his shed, and they open it up. They go inside, and they're, like, kind of trying to see their way around and all. And one of the police officers, like, kind of feels and sees something beside him, so, like, shines the light over there. And they see... A body hung upside down, like, from oh, their feet. Oh, God. Hang it, like, how you would hang a deer up. Yeah. And the body is, in hunting, they call it dressed out. And it means it's, like, cut with oh, its yes. entrails and all that taken out. Yes. Ew. But the head was also missing. The head had been decapitated. Oh, fuck. Look in the freezer. And the body had been shot with a twenty two caliber rifle. Okay. So there, and of course, like I said, all those like taken out of the organs and all of that. Mm-hmm. The police they're looking for they're looking and looking and looking and one of the officers so of course at this cuz at this point they're like <laughs> you know right <laughs> so they keep looking and they find one thing said a paper sack, one thing said a burlap sack and one of the officers was like, "Oh, well, what's this?" And oh, fuck. is your tongue He picks it up and it's Bernice's head. Oh fuck. And so they're like no, fuck. <laughs> so they go through the house some more.
0: They say, heads up.
1: I can't even leave. I just said, I have to go through this list of oh, what fuck. they found. Because I just have to go through this list. Okay. I have to say, some of the stuff, I like, I, I knew Ed Gein. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what it was prepping for this story but there were a couple of times my stomach hurt and I Ooh. had to take a break, you know? Yeah. Which doesn't usually happen, unless it's like really gruesome, it doesn't usually happen, yeah. you know? But that uh, something about this list got me. Okay. So, trigger warning this is what they find tons of like human bones, fragments, a trash can made of skin,
0: mm.
1: multiple chairs with skin as its fabric. Mm -hmm. skulls on the bedpost like a stick and actually fun fact fun serial killer fact a lot of stuff talks about you know that famous ed kemper quote and i think we talked about it on our podcast where he says like when you see two women walking towards you and it's like part of him wants to be nice and talk to them, but part of them wants to see what their head looks like on a stick. Ed Kemper said that, but Mm -hmm. a lot of people say Ed Gein did because he had the skulls on the bedposts. Yeah. But really, that was Ed Kemper.
0: I really wanted to say, he's giving me Ed Kemper vibes
1: with Mm -hmm. that cat on the Mm -hmm. uh, kebab. There were a lot of skulls that had like just like the top cut off, but then there were a lot of skulls that he used for bowls for his beans. Mm. So that's why when you asked, did he eat from the can (laughs) or the thing, I was like, well, There's a quote to, I forget exactly what it is, but basically he said it was hard to eat from the bowls because it would like squish out, you know, the quote bowls, the Mm -hmm. skull bowls. Yeah. He also made like clothes Mm. from the, from skin, from human skin. That's all, that's, I knew that. Well, one of the things that he made was a corset from like a torso of a human, of a girl, mm-hmm. to go along with. I mean, he he wasn't just worried about the top. To go along with the corset, he made leggings from human skin, legs, mm-hmm. and then he had multiple masks, like from people's women, face. yeah, from people's face. Like he had taken the skin off and he would wear it as a mask. Yeah,
0: taking homemade Halloween costumes to
1: a whole other level. Well, you know those, new, you know those new masks that make you look like Leatherface. The yes, white ones, yes. that's all I can picture. It's so terrible.
0: <laughs> About the leggings from Legs, there's, a like, a rumor, like, a folklore thing called Necropants. And it's, like, it was in some museum, but it's, like, a uh, fake stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And it has someone's legs, you know. It looks mm-hmm. like a pair of legs and a little scrotum thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And... People, people's comments on that, because I was like, oh, maybe I could do something about this, like, if it was real, because apparently I believe that it could be real. Again, serial killer mind here. I'm like, oh, okay. But, so I was, like, screenshotting quotes from it, because people were so fucking funny yeah, on it, you know, like, about the leggings, and it was, yeah. like, original leggings, blah, 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 yeah. blah, you know? and But it's fake. But it's probably from fucking Ed Game. Mean, Yeah.
1: So, they also, like I said, found Bernice's head. They found her heart. Ooh. It was by the stove. And so, that's where a lot of people think that Ed Gein was a cannibal, Mm. but he wasn't. It was just because people were like, oh, the heart was on the stove. No, it was just by it. He was not a cannibal. Nine vulvas in a shoebox. Uh, Well, okay. Look, you can never have too many vulvas.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, I feel like he is making himself those paper dolls, you know? Yeah, he is. But
1: it's not paper dolls. It's for him. Like, he's the doll. Yeah, that's what I mean. Then they found a belt made from nipples.
0: I've seen that. And
1: that... I made a mistake. I made a gruesome fucking (laughs) mistake. And I had to see what that damn torso of boobs looked like because like the or like the corset thing yeah because it's like boobs and shit and i fucking googled that shit (laughs) don't do it oh i'm putting that all on our website don't Don't do it
0: i'm doing it don't you know what it's a tits
1: okay it's the cat's meow with the bulbas (laughs) Bulbas. in the butt. (laughs) oh my god he's got a patchwork of puss
0: Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> Why do I have to say. Put? I don't know because I think that you're his age. <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> it cracks me. Up. Okay, they found four noses. Oh, fingernails. Bill. Ugh. Oh god! Oh god! I know a lampshade made from like faces, and the. Like, window shades. Mm-hmm. The bottom of it was lips. Okay. The other thing they found was a skull, another skull in a box. And they found, a, like, a face mask in a paper bag. And they recognized it. <gasps> it was the face of Mary Hogan. And she was the owner of the bar in town. Ooh. And so... They you know, some people say that Mary was the like mirror image of his mother because they looked alike. They were both strong, independent women that owned their own business but she was of the devil. Exactly. She owned a bar and you can't have all that sinfulness mm-hmm. in your life. hmm And so, people said that that, like, she was his first victim. Oh, fuck. Because, again, it was like it was too much. Like, he was like, cannot compute. Like, this is too much Mm because she looks so much like her. Lots of the same traits. Sans, the uber religious. Yes. Well, so, he only had two victims. Really? Yes. Mary and Bernice. I thought he had so many. No. So, how'd he get all this shit? He robbed graves. Well, here's the thing. The investigation was shit through all this. Because, like, you know, when Mary went missing and all of that, like, they would be like, oh, Mary's missing. And Ed, as the jokester he, that he is, would be like, she's not missing. She's up at the farm. Ha ha ha. And they would all be like, ha ha ha. Oh, my God. So, he told them everything he was doing. Fuck. And nobody... They just thought he was uh, the weirdo. Yeah. Crazy old Maurice. Exactly. And so then, you know, it was like they couldn't wrap their head around him robbing the graves. You know, it's like they could, it's like they could understand the murders, (laughs) but you know what I mean? But they could not understand him robbing graves. And then not only that, keeping the skin and the, like, it was like. They just couldn't process it. Cannot not compute. Exactly. And also, they really couldn't understand what he was doing with the skin. Because he was basically creating himself a woman suit. Yeah. Because he wanted to be a woman. He, it was like, if he lived in 2019, he would be trans. Yeah. And so, 1945, it's like he, he can't, he doesn't understand. He he, he does not reconcile. Exactly. And so all he knows is the ultra conservative religious teachings that he's gotten and that he can't he can't be with women, he can't do all this stuff. So but he has this weird attraction and pull to his mom. And so it's like it's kind of a combination of he wanted to be a woman but he also wanted to be his mother. Yeah. And so the skin suit that he was trying to make was to make him be a woman but to also make him be his mom
0: yeah
1: if that makes any sense yeah so to the true sense of the word he was like he he did do necrophilia like for the true sense of the the definition but he did not have sex with the corpses he Mm. didn't have sex with corpse. he didn't have sex like he didn't have the vulvas to have sex with yeah because that that wasn't the point. The point, it wasn't sexualized in that way. It was, mm-hmm. again, trying to make himself a woman slash his mother. And he's actually quoted saying that, like, when they asked him if he had sex with the with the bodies, he said that they, they no, because they stomped too bad.
0: I mean, they fit in with his hoarder status. And speaking about hoarders, basically, if he lived in, now he'd have clueless closet. Mm-hmm. Which vulva do I want to wear today? Oh, that's gross.
1: Well, the other thing that they, it was like the police couldn't understand or figure out. They were like, you know, he's not a very, he's a pretty scrawny dude. And so they're like, how did he dig these, like dig up these graves and dig up these graves and then like lift these bot you know, all this yeah. stuff. Well, what they didn't realize was that you didn't have to dig six feet under. You just have to go about two feet. And then there's like a a box that covers the casket. Yeah. So all he had to do was dig two feet and then break through that box with like a crowbar and then he could get to the casket. Mm. So it really wasn't as much work as they thought. He also kind of experimented on the ways that he preserved them. I mean, he he did he used this. I, what I think is interesting. Remember, his dad was, he was a tanner. Mm-hmm. And so I think that he learned some of the skills from his dad because some of the skins he would tan so that he could, like, make the stuff. Some of it, you know, he just had different ways that he was trying to preserve them. And he'd be like, well, that didn't work. Yeah. Throw out that vulva, you know. <laughs> and so, oh, and he even had some, like, that were on the wall that were almost like art. That the the faces he had, like, put lipstick on and all that. So it was like the shit was just everywhere.
0: Oh my God! but not in his
1: mom's area, his mom's area, the police had to like break the door in to get in there, and it was perfectly pristine, just like she left it, dust what? everywhere, but it was just like she left it, so they're still like, "How in the fuck like they like they don't believe him and <laughs> so like the, you know they're like again yeah. the with the how did he get these damn bodies out so they get exhumation orders to to test a couple of the graves, and so They opened one, it was empty, they opened another one, and it was like, he couldn't get, he couldn't get the casket open, and his crowbar was still in there. Oh, my god! There was one that was, like, missing some stuff, but because he had such a hard time himself, when he would kind of, almost, like, wake up out of his days from what he's doing, he would feel guilty, and so sometimes he would, like, take stuff back to the body. So, like. So, in one, they found, like, random body parts and some rings that he had, like, taken back to it. And it said that there were upwards of 40 times that he would go to the graves and, like, get there and be like, no, I can't do it. And then go back and be like, no, I can't do it. And then, like, sometimes he would dig it up and then be like, no, I can't do it. How he describes it is he doesn't remember it. He doesn't remember doing it. He just, like, remembers realizing, like, fuck, I, I'm not... I, this is bad and yeah. leaving.
0: He was in, like, a fugue state.
1: Yeah. He also says the same thing about when Mary and Bernice died, that he doesn't remember it. And like I said, too, they... You know, he would make the jokes about, oh, she's not missing, she's up there. Well, they also knew that he had all these, like, shrunken heads and stuff because one of his... His friend that I said was 16 years old... He had actually shown them to that kid.
0: Oh, my God. But he
1: told the kid that he had a cousin that had served in World War II in the Philippines. And that that cousin had sent him that over from the Philippines. Mm. So, it's just like all this stuff that he had, you know, they were just like, oh, well, that's weird Ed Gein for you, you know. One
0: thing, I don't believe that he doesn't remember what happened with
1: Bernice. Because he was plotting that the day before. hmm Oh, absolutely. They say that her last words were, because um, she was like, shit, I may be getting her and Mary confused of which one. I think it was Bernice. Because she was at his house, like, standing looking out the window when he shot her with the twenty two. And her last words, because she's looking out the window, were, I don't like a Chevy. Dang. Mm-hmm. So like, she had no idea. But I also don't understand how that, why there was blood at the shop. You know? Yeah. Anyway. So, I could be getting some of those details fuzzy. When they first questioned him and he confessed and all, they had to throw it out because the sheriff banged his head against a brick wall, which <gasps> honestly, that breaks my heart because yes. he was confessing. Like, he was not. Yeah. He wasn't like this asshole that's like, oh, I'm not talking. And, you know, like he it wasn't. wasn't me. Yeah, he wasn't being. I don't know. That just hurt it really. And I know that's crazy. It's like he's this killer that you know, but he's still a human, and nobody deserves their head smashed into a brick wall. You know, right?
0: Besides, if you're Chris Watts, he does.
1: Well, so they had to throw that confession out. So they're like, okay, well, wait we, how we get him talking again? Like, what's it gonna take to get you talking? He said, "Get me some apple pie with cheddar cheese on top." Ooh.
0: <laughs> Oh, that's disgusting. Did he think they just couldn't make it? And so it's like,
1: ha, 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 jumps on them. No, I think that's like, it's like, apparently maybe that's like a Wisconsin cheese thing. Ew. I may be making that up. I don't know. I've never (laughs) been to Wisconsin. No, I don't like cheddar with my apples. Well, I like cheddar and apples. I mean, if I have like a charcuterie plate thing and I'm like, give me all the cheese and You know, I'd like a little apple with that. Okay, yeah. But I don't want it in fucking pie form with a fucking cheese.
0: No, because then you have, like, all... It's dessert.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. That's nasty.
0: Yes. Oh, I'll tell you what's
1: good on those little trays. Pickled okra. Mm Mm-hmm. So good. Have you had pickled okra in your Bloody Mary?
0: I don't drink Bloody Marys. Tomato juice.
1: Yeah. Well...
0: I sure want to because they look so... It's like a meal.
1: Yeah. That's how I am about martinis. I really want to love them, but I hate olives. I
0: hate olives. Oh, an extra dirty martini. I mean, or if you're me, instead of that, I could spend $4
1: and get a whole jar of olives and be just as fine. That's nasty. (laughs) Again. I'm not normal. No, a lot of people could do that. I just hate olives. Okay. Long story short, though, they we're going to try him. And then he was going to plead not guilty by reason of sanity. And then they were like, he's not fit to stand trial. So they sent him to a state hospital. Then eventually they did try him. So he was only charged for Beatrice's death, not Mary's after that. He was committed because, okay. So after they found him guilty of the murder, they were looked, then they did like another trial for his, for his sanity. And So, they ended up ordering him to essentially a life sentence at the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. And after that, his property was, they were about to, like, sell the house and all. And then they were like, well, shit. Like, they, you know, the people of the town did not want it to become, because this was huge. I mean, this was huge news. This was like, I mean, so they didn't want a lot of, somebody buying it and it becoming a tourist Yeah. Because somebody had actually bought his car. They bought it for $760. And then they took it to a carnival and charged 25 cents admission to see it. Mm -hmm. And I forget. Like, basically, they made, like, in two hours charging that, they made, like, $4,000. Like, it was, like, something insane that they, like, I don't even know, more than quadrupled their money. Yeah.
0: I mean, Zach Baggins... He, at least half of that, he paid for (laughs) Yeah.
1: So they didn't, so they didn't want the house to become that. So they were like, oh, we need to sell it. Like they were just, you know, well, about that time, the house caught on fire and they're like, this was arson, but they never know who did it or anything like that. Ed died of respiratory failure because he had lung cancer July 26th. 1984 he was 77 so he lived for like 30 years in this mental hospital or mental health institute and basically he lived his best life there you know he got the help that he needed because he was schizophrenic and there's a lot of interviews where he talks about his delusions and hallucinations that he had seeing things like things telling him to do certain things you know yeah he was sick he needed help, and instead of getting help, he got Augusta. Mm-hmm. So, a lot his his headstone became like a, a place where people would go get souvenirs, and so like it kept breaking away more and more and more. And then in two thousand, it was the whole headstone was stolen.
0: Oh my god! And so
1: now his grave is unmarked, and it is. So, but it, you, we know where it is because it's in the same spot. But it's between his parents and his brother.
0: Oh gosh!
1: And that's Ed King.
0: Wow, you know. It's kind of not poetic but that he died of from lung cancer and his brother supposedly died from the smoke inhalation and mm-hmm. stuff but it's you know what i mean yeah. like that was probably his first kill yeah and then he died like i don't know that's true that was really good
1: kind of an H H Holmes mm-hmm. where i thought he was yeah, where you think he's this prolific serial killer. Yeah. And he has two, maybe three if you count as a brother. Right. There are some stuff where it's like some people went missing and they're not sure and blah, blah, blah. But I I think it was just potentially his brother and Mary and Bernice.
0: Yeah. Super fucking interesting.
1: The, the psychopathy, you know, like yeah. just the, it just goes so deep, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like. You know, you know what? I really don't know much about Augusta's upbringing and mm. why she was the way. You know, wh- I, nothing I saw or read or listened to really touched on that. It was mm. all about his dad and how his family literally was washed away in a flash flood. Yeah, and why he was an you know an alcoholic and all of that, but not anything about Augusta and why she was so ultra religious and. Yeah. The way, you know, because clearly there was some shit going on there too.
0: Oh, for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if she wasn't molested as a child and that's why she doesn't like sex. Oh,
1: uh, yeah. Allegedly.
0: Allegedly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We're not trying to have any descendants sue us. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, as a third party with no particular interest in the matter, yeah. if y'all know what that's from, I love y'all. She's a man. Yep. I mean, I don't love you though. I know. I just wanted them to know, so they weren't like, "Hmm, what's that from?" <laughs> that was so freaking good. Thank you. I
1: honestly kind of felt sorry for him. I, you know, I, I do too, because the the guy didn't stand a chance. No. I mean, a, again, at some point in your life, you have to move beyond the
0: yeah the cards
1: that you that you've been dealt. But yeah, I found myself, especially when I was like. When I heard about the sheriff, like, smashes, I, I, like, I legitimately felt bad for him. He was so lonely in this world. Yeah. He was so misunderstood. He was mentally ill and not getting any treatment for what he should be getting. You know? Yeah. There's just all these things, and I just, I found myself feeling so sorry for him, too. I think also because I don't know how he
0: murdered them, so that... Well, that plays into it because yes, she,
1: well, you do know for Bernice because she was shot. Oh yeah, and I shy. think Mary was shot too. I think they weren't like they weren't tortured. No, dearie, no. You it know was like I mean? a kill him and because it wasn't. It was a means to an end. Yeah, which is still
0: terrible. I'm not saying anything about it. I'm saying on the on the scale of serial killers and mm-hmm. murderers that we've talked about, he's on the. Lower spectrum of Of kills. Of kills. Now,
1: the other shit. Oh yeah, he's off the charts on the other shit. That's that's the shit that I had to take a step away from for a second because it was just so gruesome. Some of the stuff that I just was like, ooh, yeah, I need a break. You know, it was it was some of it was a lot. Yeah. Spoiler alert! It's not going to be on the website. No, that if you want to see those pictures, which is totally fine. No judgment. Go look. I looked, but. I don't, no, because if somebody's like looking up your story and they don't want to see the pictures and it's like, oh, well, hello, breast torso. True, true. All right, you ready for your story? Are you ready for it?
0: I don't think you're ready for this, Jelly. Because my body's too bootylicious. For you, babe. Also, just keep in mind Ed's dad's family and what happened to them. Okay. All right, picture it. A little while ago, you know, like a century ago, mm-hmm. on the southwestern bank of Lake Pontchartrain, there were three tiny towns. One was named Ruddick, and it was the biggest, like the headquarters of the lumber mm-hmm. thing that it's like named for, is there. Another one was Wagrum, and then last was Frenier. And that's really the one we're going to focus on. Okay. They were spaced about four miles apart, and the majority of the population was German immigrants. This is like Pontchartrain, like New Orleans, Louisiana
1: Lake Pontchartrain. Yeah. Okay.
0: And the two main sources of income were lumber and farming. So, Ruddock, it was largely constructed on the lake itself, and most of the houses were one-story or two-story and the offices, but they were all on stilts because, you know, it's like swamp underneath Mm -hmm. it. And even like the they had sidewalks that were basically on stilts. Everything was wooden sidewalks on yeah. stilts. That's crazy. Like it was all was on the water. Was it on
1: stilts? It was all on stilts. Okay. <laughs> stilts. Like even the sidewalks were on stilts? Yes. Stilts. Stilts. Damn.
0: And everything was in walking distance because again, on stilts. (laughs) Um, But there was a place called the Owl Saloon. Oh, fuck. That damn murder bird is back. Mm -hmm. Well, it wasn't a murder bird. It was a men's only bar. And so it had discretion. And so it was parked about half a mile down. So like everything's like walking distance and that's still walking distance, but it's like way down there. So people, you know, could be like, just walk into this mm-hmm. little thing
1: and then, whoop, veer off to the owl saloon. I don't understand that. And like, I'm like, okay. damn. Like, I get it. Like, okay. Like, I, I get. It. Like, you don't want people gossiping about you and all that bullshit. But you know, the people who give you the most pushback and judgment are the people who a are doing it themselves, or or b want to. Mm-hmm. And are trying to reconcile or control their urges. Yeah. Like it's classic deflection. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's another word I'm thinking of that it's it is like deflection, but like, you know, you hate in others what you hate most in yourself. Yeah. Kind of thing. Projection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That word.
0: I know a word. So Frenier and Wagram, they were smaller, but they still were populated for the size. So the German immigrants who lived here, they did most of the farming and it was cabbage farming. And they also did barrel stave manufacturing, which is complimentary because the harvested cabbages would be packed into the barrels and then shipped via the railroads up north. All right. So now by 1915, much of the property around Frenier was owned by one woman and her name was Julia Brown. She was African-American, wealthy, wise. This was a century ago? Yeah, 1915.
1: Damn, girl, get it. Yes. A woman, period. Mm Mm-hmm. But an African-American woman, that's amazing. Yeah, so the census
0: record suggests that she was born Julia Bernard around 1845, and then she married a laborer named Celeste Brown in 1880. Then about 20 years later, the federal government gave him 40-acre homestead plot to farm, you know, cabbage. And then he died, and so that property was passed on to her. Well, something we need to know about Julia, she was a voodoo priestess. Ah. Yeah. She had lived and worked in New Orleans in the 1860s before they moved to Frenier with their land. And this was fact-checked by Small World... Bloody Mary, who is a New Orleans voodoo priestess now, and we talked about her with Mm -hmm. Zach and Addie. Yeah. So the village, Frenier, and the two neighboring, you know, the one that's on stilts, they had no doctors. And, real like, they had nothing. But if you want to wait, like, four days, you can go by railroad to New Orleans. But Mm -hmm. it doesn't come all the time. And if you're hurting, like, you need something. Yeah. Now, and so she, she was, like, their healer. She would be a midwife. She could, you know, anything and everything. She was, like, the heart of this community because, Mm -hmm. you know, she helped them. So she would travel the village performing rituals for childbirth, to fight off infections, to cure illnesses, all of that. And they all recovered Rather quickly. Damn. So they were like, whatever magic she's doing, whatever, we're okay with it. They weren't okay with that owl saloon, but Mm -hmm. they are okay with this. So okay that she became known as Aunt Julia Brown. Well, you know, she's now aunt. And they're like, hey, can I get the family discount, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. free? Mm -hmm. And they started taking advantage of her. And she was like, look, I'm not having this. So, they began demanding and expecting her to do stuff, like, without them really even asking. It's like, oh, so-and-so's sick, then she should go over there and heal him. And it's like, no, I mean, I have my own life. I have right. shit I gotta do. And so, there's, like, a hierarchy. I mean, if a child's being born, she's gotta go do that. She can't help with, you know, she can't help old Woody over there with the flu. Mm-hmm. So, with this, she's like, look, I'm not getting the de- the respect I deserve, any of this, I'm not okay with it. So, she kind of began to scare the locals. Oh, shit. Because she would start predicting when something bad was going to happen to them. So, they were terrified because, I mean, as much as we want to say we want to know. You don't really. You don't. Because you live in fear of that then. Right. And they also didn't know if she was telling them this or cursing them.
1: You Mm -hmm. know? Well, yeah. And uh, how does that relate to free will? And if you think this is going to happen to you, then you're projecting it into the universe, then, yeah, and it happens, you know?
0: Yeah. So around this time, she kept saying that something was going to happen to Frenier. And on September 28th, 1915, Julia made her final and most terrifying prediction to date. She would sit on her porch and she would sing One day I'm going to die, and I'm going to take all of you with me over and over again. And she always sang, and people would love to hear, you know, what she has, because it's, I mean, you know, get in their head, whatever. She probably said, pineapple pen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this, they're like, wait, what'd she say? You know? Yeah. And she just said it hours. And this is also verified by an oral historian who was longtime resident in the New Orleans area, Helen Schossler Berg. And she said that she verified it through, you know, Mm -hmm. what historians do research apparently. Fuck. She said that she would sit on her front porch. She'd play a guitar and sing the songs that she would make up. Mm -hmm. And in fact, she did say she would die and everything would die with her. And then she died that same day. Oh shit. Mm -hmm. So, the townspeople knew that every prediction that Julia had made came true. And so, they're like, uh, scared. Fuck, we all gonna die today? Right. I don't want to die today. Do people even know that song? I don't (laughs) know. You know what I mean? Yeah. To try to have the best karma, be on Julia's side, everyone's like, okay, we are going to gather at her funeral, which was September 29th. And, you know, like, give her the respect, all of this, Mm -hmm. you know. Well, their plan did not work, because as the nails were being hammered into her coffin, all of a sudden, a devastating
1: hurricane ripped through the village. So, like, it wasn't raining or anything? Like, it wasn't like they just had... No rain. ...some bad weather? I mean, I know they didn't have, like, the Doppler radar. Can I tell my story? Okay. Seems odd.
0: Look. Fake. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But odd. You know what? Aunt Julia,
1: smite her. Do y'all say aunt, aunt, or auntie? I mean, we say aunt.
0: That's a good question. This is also verified from the New Orleans Times-Picayune on October 2nd. They wrote about everyone attending the funeral of Aunt Julia Brown- and that she was a big property owner and that the funeral was scheduled and she had just been placed in her casket and the casket had been in turn placed in the wooden box and sealed. Again, nails, tick, tick, tick. Mm-hmm. tap, tap, tap it in. And then at four o'clock, the storm came in so violent that everyone left in a stampede abandoning the corpse. Dun, da dun, dun. Yes. In Frenier, the storm surge rose 13 feet. The wind was at 125 miles per hour. I bet they're glad
1: they had their house on stilts. (laughs) Well, it didn't really matter. Uh Uh-oh.
0: Yeah. A lot of people sought refuge in the railroad depot, but it collapsed (gasps) and killed 25 people. And really, close to 300 people in Louisiana died the storm cleared on October 2nd, and when it did, Frenier, Ruddick, and wagram sorry, you know W's and R's, mm-hmm. let's just be honest, had been entirely destroyed. Shit. Homes flattened, buildings demolished, lots of the railroad tracks washed away, and one of the few survivors... He later described, and this breaks my heart, he later described how he clung to a cypress tree. He climbed up and just held on for dear life. And he had to witness and hear all of his friends and family drowning in the (gasps) swamp below him. Oh, my God. Yes. So what had happened was the Great West Indies Storm hit... On September 29th, 1915, modern day, we would call it a Category 3. Okay. Well, down in New Orleans, the Times-Picayune, it had been warning about this Mm -hmm. for a couple of days. But the only way they would know that is the newspapers that ran on the train, well, they hadn't been delivered. They were sitting in the train (gasps) waiting to be delivered. But the train didn't always come through. Every day, and yeah. so they just hadn't been delivered. So these people did not know of impending
1: doom. Damn.
0: Yeah. So it really did come out of nowhere. And it just, like, it was a little windy, mm-hmm. whatever. But then this lady, a voodoo priestess, had died. So then you're like, I would be like, oh shit, that is kind of windy. I'm definitely going to her funeral. I'm going to pay all the respects I yeah. can, you know. You're not thinking, like, oh.
1: Let uh, me get the hell out of
0: Dodge. Yeah. Yeah. Along with the paper, let me just say, they didn't even have, like, a grocery store in this town. You would have to tell the engineer of the railroad, hey, I need blah, blah, blah. He'd get it, and on his way back, would deliver it.
1: Damn.
0: That's crazy. So, it's like, "Mm, you can live on Cabbage or, you know, Give the engineer your grocery list, like, once a week. Damn, I'm just thinking about that, and that was basically Uber Eats. Mm Mm-hmm. The OG. Mm Mm-hmm. So, let me set the scene again. So, they nail the coffin. Tick, tick, tick. Mm -hmm. Tack, tack, tack. And then the winds come, the rain comes, all of this. So, livestock is going through the air, being washed away. All of this stuff. You know, I mean, it's chaos. People are having to try to swim for their lives. All of this. Well, again, they left the body and later it was found in the swamp, but no casket. <gasps> yeah. The people who were found were buried in a mass grave in the shack Swamp. There was a graveyard in Wagram, but it was located too far away to carry them because, mm-hmm. I mean, it was wrecked. Yeah, and
1: so many of them.
0: Yeah. So, the survivors made rafts from driftwood, and the dead were floated across the lake to their final resting place.
1: Damn.
0: Yeah. Frenier itself had disappeared. The remains operated for some time as a lakeside resort, And the landowner was trying to build it back up, but further storms, natural disasters, all took their toll, and nothing ever came of that. But locals say Aunt Julia is the one to blame for all these natural disasters. Mm -hmm. Well, she did put the curse on them. She did. And like I said, 250 to 300 people died. And so many have lost their lives. Locals claim that it's still commonplace for skeletons to surface today, only to drift down the muggy swamp. Mm-mm.
1: It's like you're in the swamp and you think that your like trolling motor got caught on a tree. Mm-mm, it right? didn't. Right? Oh Ugh, no, ma'am. No,
0: no, no. I mean, what would you rather see—a live alligator or a dead skeleton?
1: Skeleton. Oh, I don't know. 100% skeleton. A skeleton ain't going to do shit to me. That damn alligator could eat me and the <laughs> boat. True. All right. So, Bloody Mary, again, the modern
0: day voodoo priestess, mm-hmm. she doesn't think that Julia cursed the town. She said that voodoo isn't about curses. Really, it's about healing. And she said that she was a beloved healer, not a vengeful type. And she said that Julia's song may have been more of a warning Mm -hmm. to them than a curse against them. And that perhaps she tried to perform an anti-storm ritual and was unable to stop the hurricane before it was too late. And she died because she wasn't strong enough or whatever. And so it wasn't out of, Any malintent?
1: Yeah. I wonder, like, if she was repeating that song over and over again, I wonder if that was, like, her, like, chant to make it go away. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, as a result to all of this devastating catastrophe and death, Mm -hmm. the island is believed to be highly active paranormally. And they say that if you listen carefully, you may hear the sound of a ghostly voice singing Julia's infamous song. Mm Mm-mm. I don't want
1: to hear that. No, thank you.
0: (laughs) And, I mean, hey, if you're brave, you can go and take a boat tour through the waters of the Manchac Swamp. And that is with the Cajun Pride Swamp Tours. Damn. Yeah. So, I looked on Reddit Because you know I always do. Oh, yeah. I found a little story that someone had submitted four years ago. And the name is Boobaloo the Stink. (laughs) Oh. Oh, my God, that cracks me up. I love Reddit usernames. All right, so she said that this happened a month ago. Her and her husband are from North Carolina, but her mother recently remarried and moved to Hammond, Louisiana. And just to note that she's pregnant, and she said that she desperately needed to take a vacation because they both really missed each other. And she, you know, couldn't be with their mom right now. And she's pregnant, has hormones, and, you know, all of that. Yeah. So she said, like, they were doing stuff in New Orleans and whatnot, but she had had too much to drink, not alcohol, just liquid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's pregnant. So girl needed to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And traffic was bad trying to get out of New Orleans. It was around Mardi Gras, so really chaotic. And they saw an exit sign for a town called Ruddick. So he's like, All right, let's go. Let's get you to a bathroom because if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. Right. She said, From what they could see, it was nothing like no gas station, no restaurant, no anything. So they kept driving down this little road. And they were, you know, like, maybe something's down here because she had to go. She said they ended up on the edge of the water. It looked like a boat launch where, you know, the road kind of disappears into the swamp. Yeah. Her husband like, look, we could turn around and find another restroom, but can you make it? Yeah. She's like, no, I'm going to piss all over myself. So let me just get out here. I'm going to have to squat, you know, whatever. Been there, girl. Been there. <laughs> so she's like, look, just watch me just in case someone comes to launch their fucking boat. Yeah. You know, like, on the off chance, because that's that's our kind of look, Carrie. For real. For real. So as she's squatting, she said she could hear her husband on the other side of the truck kind of give a strange laugh. And so then he kind of jogged around and, like, looked at her and gave her a weird smile and he said hey we've got company what so when she got finished she followed him around the truck and was kind of relieved to see this old lady walking toward them and she said kind of awkward but it's kind of like what old ladies do Mm -hmm. and her husband's like where did she come from and she was like i don't know i was pissing he was like i really have no idea Well, then the old lady started to wave at them. And they waved back, like, hey, don't kill us. Yeah. And she said that her husband kind of muttered, like, yeah, yeah, lady, we fucking see you. Yeah. (laughs) You know? She was African-American. She had thin white hair and wore a bag sack-like dress. She said it kind of broke her heart to see because she wasn't wearing any shoes. Oh. Yeah. And she said that... When she was getting closer, she was like, oh, my God, we're being so rude. And, well, they both thought she might have Alzheimer's and, like, had wandered away from her family or Mm -hmm. something. Even though it was very odd because nothing is on this exit. And she wasn't there before. You know, like, where did she come from? Well, when they got closer to her, she stunk. Hmm. Was she smell like pond water like your last story? <laughs> Maybe a little. But also really acidic, she said. With a mixture of bile and sweat. Ooh. Yeah. So she's like, look, we have to help her because she has obviously been wandering around without shoes. Possibly for fucking days because she reeks. Mm-mm. So her husband kind of talks to her a little bit. And she said that she smiled at them. And she was like, when she smiled at us, we got a really creepy feeling. She also told them that her name was Aunt Julia. So she said that her husband told Aunt Julia, look, we're going to get you some help. Let me call the police. Mm -hmm. Get them down here. And Julia kind of held her hand up to her husband's face and interrupted him and just kind of beckoned them to follow her. So they kind of walk, and her husband's like, look, just stay by the truck. You're pregnant, you know, like, and she's like, no, the fuck. Like, held onto his hand. I'm coming with you. So she said they got closer to that ramp, and Aunt Julia just kept kind of walking closer, and they're like, no, 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 and she's like, yeah, yeah, and, like, pointing over there, and she said, I took them with me. Oh! <gasps> And she said that her voice was way stronger than it had been before. And she kept repeating, I took them with me. No. So her husband is like, took who, ma'am? You know, because, I mean. They don't know the story. Right. Yeah, they're not from around here. And she said, I took them with me, just like I said I would. And so then she said that she started kind of looking angry, but also content. Mm Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, her husband kind of lowly says to her, go the fuck back to the truck. Because at that moment, he saw something floating in the water and it looked like a dead body. No. Yes. So, he's like, go back and call 911. And Aunt Julia starts laughing. Almost cackling. So just then, she said it louder. I took them with me. And about that time, it seemed like more bodies just popped up like little quartz uh-uh. bobbing. No. Yes. And so she said that she felt sick in her stomach, and they both kind of backed up. They dialed 911, told them, like, look, we have bodies floating down here. We have an old lady. Like, shit is going down. They finally get to tell them where they are. Like, we pulled off this random exit, Yeah. blah, blah, blah. So the police officer gets there. They start talking to him, like, giving statements and everything. Well, the police officer have finally talked to Aunt Julia. Get in the back of the truck. We'll take care of you and everything. So he's talking to them, kind of telling them, All right, give us your information. We know you're not from around here. Like, Mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, and the woman's pregnant. So they're not going to be like, stay here forever while we do this. Like, no, get off your feet. Get into the cool. Yeah. Because we all know it's going to be hot as fuck. Yes. Well, then they walk back to their truck. He's kind of, you know, wrapping everything up. And he looks back to the water and none of the bodies were there. He saw them to begin with, Mm -hmm. though? And then they looked back at his cop car and Aunt Julia wasn't there either. (gasps) And so he said, what did you say her name was again? And they said, Julia, Aunt Julia. And he kind of had like this strange look on his face and said, Aunt Julia? And he said, look, if y'all are trying to pull my leg, like you got me. Yeah. You got me. And... He ended up telling them, like, who Aunt Julia was. Yeah. So, they're like, look, we did not know anything about this. Seriously. My wife just had to pee. Like, thought this was it. So sorry, you know. And the cop wasn't mad. He was more freaked out than anything. Yeah. He told them, you know, like, look, we'll be on the lookout just in case. It's kind of weird. But, like, whatever. Keep your phones on you. You know the deal. And they kind of, like. Checked in the back of the cab, making sure that, like, you know, the sneaky old lady didn't just, like, Mm -hmm. get back there or something. But then she said they got back to her mom's house, and she was, like, I don't understand why he thought we were pulling a prank, really, you know, whatever. And so she looked up about it and saw, like, all of it, like, what I just read to you. Because he, Mm -hmm. you know, told her, like, a little bit of it. But so she's, like, holy shit. Like, what The fuck just happened. Damn. So, it doesn't have to be at night. Doesn't have to be anything. You know, you don't have to be looking for her. She will find you. No. So, if you are going to New Orleans and you see an exit to Ruddock, take it
1: at your own risk. And there's no, like, summoning her. You know, that's what's crazy. It's not like okay, go to the lake and hang out there like with your, you know, your headlights over the lake. Like it's not like there's, like you just go and you can see her or not. Yeah. Either it's your lucky or unlucky
0: day. Oh, and I really wanted to say that I got some of this from Bayou Underground by Dave Thompson. It's a book. And then Weekend Weird, it's a website. And of course, Reddit. Wow, that's good. I don't want to go there. Right? And, hey, we have some local people from Louisiana, from Mm -hmm. that. Let us know if you have heard about Aunt Julia or if you've seen her. If you've heard her singing,
1: let us know. I Oh, you know what I was thinking? I want to know, are there actual police reports from stuff like this? Like, from these people, from whatever. Uh, I mean, like, no, there's fucking bodies.
0: Yeah. Probably not because then they're like, oh, they're just fucking pulling our leg. You know? Meanwhile, have they drugged that you know? Yeah. Meanwhile, there's a serial killer and they're like, Oh, there's a skeleton. Must be from Aunt Julia mm-hmm.
1: time. <laughs> and then you got this person over here being like Muh-ha-ha-ha. Right. <laughs> Dang. That was good. I like that one. Yay! Okay, what do we learn? We learned that It's way easier to dig a grave than you thought.
0: For dig, real.
1: Dig a occupied grave <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that is crazy I know I didn't know that it was like had the box and all that business oh yeah I didn't know that
0: you know it makes sense though because if you think about all the times you see grave robbers they're like Ed Gein they're not like Van Diesel yeah you know what I mean and it's I never thought about that that oh it's two feet i mean let me just be honest i'm not digging fucking two feet no
1: and i can't jump in 2 i'd be like okay i might could get in the grave and then i'd be like son of a bitch how the fuck am i gonna climb out of this thing uh, that's Can somebody I've... give me a ladder please yeah i'm not what's the word i'm trying to say agile yeah i can't be doing that <laughs> shit no i could like operate a crane to get it up
0: even know if you could do that because something would happen
1: oh i'm sure i would swing that somewhere knock Mm -hmm. somebody's headstone over it would be a disaster look it would be now and then all over again (laughs) that they thought that somebody came back from life (laughs) came back from life that's Mm -hmm. not it y'all that's a great movie that is a really good movie
0: we also learned that natural disasters can be very bad yeah like they can wipe out a whole town or a whole family
1: so pay attention to your local news when it gives you those flashlight warnings. <laughs> Apparently, they're important. Yep. They interrupt your broadcast for a reason. Yeah. Damn it. I was just about to find out if they were the father on Mari. Right? I do hate that. When it's like, beep,
0: beep. I'm like, okay, I get it. I can read the ticker. I need to know what they say. I know. Meanwhile, she has it on closed caption, so she does know. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Again, I cannot have live TV
1: on it, but mm-hmm. like movies totally. No, everything in my house, every TV in my house is on closed caption. Yes, it is. I think 3 would be something that we've said all the time. Anytime you have extremes, mm-hmm. it's it's bad. You know, again, with Augusta with her extreme religion, yeah. And all of that it totally fucked Ed Gein up. Yeah. But I feel like even with your story, too, Mm-hmm. because it was like they took her for granted. Yes. And then took it to the extreme mm-hmm. of to get the things that they wanted. Yeah. And so they fucked up, too.
0: And that didn't just fuck Ed up. That fucked her
1: whole family up. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't give George the help he needed. Everybody ended up dying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, that's a great way to end. I mean, (laughs) everybody died. No. So, don't take things to the extreme. Besides toppings. Extreme toppings. If it's sprinkles, get all the... Look, you put... This is what you do when you get ice cream with sprinkles. (laughs) You put a bottom layer of sprinkles. Then you put some ice cream on. Then you put more sprinkles on top. And then it mixes better. And then Mm -hmm. you can have all the sprinkles.
0: I will say, there actually is too many toppings. Me and Carrie Mm -hmm. have both done this. Where it's, like, unlimited toppings, and we're like, yes, and we get way too many, and then we don't even finish it because. It's too much. It's way too much. Like, the flavors don't go together.
1: Oh, no, they always go together for me.
0: No, like, it's too much. It's overwhelming. Like, so I can't get, you know, all of them because I have, like, sprinkles and so many, because my favorite is Reese's as a topping. Mm Mm-hmm. But
1: that is so strong with the peanut butter mm-hmm. and see I don't get all that crap on there. Like if I had like if my perfect, is chocolate chips and sprinkles, boom, done. Yeah, see that is normal. But when we got like
0: five toppings on it at in Memphis, we both got that. Did we? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That was bad. That yeah, was bad. Told you. But I
0: didn't get Reese's. No, but we got like stupid shit because yeah, that they was had bad. so much and it was free.
1: God, <laughs> we are such extra large pizzas <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're like, it's a free
1: I really do believe that there's a different part of your stomach that holds ice cream because really, yes. I don't care how fucking full you are. you're like ice cream, yes,
0: totally it
1: goes in a different part, it does, but then it makes me sick, <laughs> but, but it's totally worth it. <laughs>
0: Meanwhile, that's her mom's stomach medicine. <laughs> oh she my said. God,
1: yes. I'm <laughs> like, my stomach hurts. Can, you want to go get some stomach medicine with me? And we go to Sonic and get vanilla ice cream. <laughs> so if you're ever feeling down,
0: there's some medicine for you. Yes. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get, get scared. scared.